Hello and welcome to the New Gig Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Hodgson, and today I'm delighted to be joined by investor, speaker, and future of work thought leader, Larry English. How are you doing, Larry? I am wonderful. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Great to have you on the show. So please, could you uh, just begin by giving a little bit of a background for the viewers and listeners about how you got into the uh, whole thing around the platform economy and the future of work and what you're doing at the moment? Absolutely. Um, So I'm president and co-founder of Centric Consulting, and we're about 1,100 people in the U.S. and India. Um, And we do everything from business strategy to lots of technology. And so technology runs the gamut of everything from machine learning uh, to AI to uh, data and analytics. Uh, But the the most important thing to note is that we've been a remote company for 20 years. And uh, I was in the process of writing a book of how to do that, how we were able to do that and maintain a great culture. And I was getting ready to publish it when the pandemic happened. And so then um, all of a sudden, everybody was very interested in how you were able to do this. And so I've been writing and speaking uh, on the topic. And then the other thing that we, because we are a consulting organization, we have everything under one roof. uh, We've been on the front lines helping a lot of companies adopt uh, remote work uh, because it's just, you you know, you can't just install Zoom. That's 1% of what you have to do to really be great at remote work. And so we're doing a lot of that and we're seeing what's working and uh, not working. And then uh, I do a decent amount of angel investing. So kind of have a frontline view as well of what the latest trends and what uh, companies are going after and that sort of thing. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks for that introduction there. And, you know, what would you say is the, uh, the evolution at the moment? What are the current trends that we're seeing and we should be looking out for as well? Okay, there's, uh, we could talk all day, but I'll, I'll try and keep it focused on really the gig workforce and remote work. So the first one is hybrid is going to win. Uh, there's a few um, people that are still thinking that it's not, you know, they're just, we're going to go back to the way things were. And that is not, there was a uh, Microsoft published a great white paper uh, last week called the great, the next great work disruption. And so we are in the middle of it. And you even saw some of the most conservative companies in the last few weeks announce that they're going to adopt it. So Chase Bank here in the U.S., which is a global company, uh, which um, their CEO has been a vocal opponent of it, said, no, we're going to hybrid. Uh, You had Ford Motor Company, which is a hundred year old company. So uh, the train has left the station. Um, Mm. So if you are sitting on the sidelines, you should get into it. The other thing that's happening certainly here in the U.S., is everybody's getting their vaccination and companies are starting to say, okay, um, you know, July 1st, we are going to all come back into the office in some form. And what we've been trying to help companies um, to do is um, to say, there is a lot you have to figure out uh, if you're going to be great at hybrid and you're Mm -hmm. going to have to be great at hybrid. So let's work through all those things, everything from uh, the policies of, you know, what if I hire somebody that is working in Africa? Do I pay them the same as I pay them in the U.S.? There's all kinds of things that have to be figured out. How do you include those workers? Um, the other big, big trend is what it's allowed. The gig and freelance uh, momentum or the movement around that was starting to take off prior to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what this has allowed is kind of supercharged it mm-hmm. because all of a sudden companies are very much okay with uh, having freelance workers be a part of their workforce. And the other thing that's interesting is they're reducing their office space. So they, they don't have enough space for anybody, for everybody anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then employees that got a taste of it, uh, they're like, I love this lifestyle. 
<laughs> I want to strike out on my own. And so you're seeing this huge movement of people becoming uh, gig workers and all the tools and platforms that go uh, around uh, that. Excellent. And I think this is the, the, the mindset shift that you're talking about there as well, Larry, the fact that, you know, the technology is there, uh, but people need to be able to embrace it and accept it. But at the same time, there is the element that, you know, it's not just a case of uh, switching on Zoom, as you say you, yourself. There's a whole uh, number of steps that need to be brought into play. It's the regulation, it's the compliance, uh, it's the do's and don'ts. And I think it's not just an HR issue, it's from all uh, elements of the organization need to be aware of this and need to be able to adapt at the same time. Right on. And we didn't even touch on some of the uh, uh, government and policy has to catch up to this. And so there are, um, taxes are more complex. If you don't have everybody driving into the city anymore, um, it's having implications on a reduction in workforce. How do you reconfigure your cities? How do you handle the, the tax implications, the tax sharing with the suburbs? Um, mm -hmm. So there is a massive amount of change that's, that's about to happen. Mm. And would you say we're ready for it? I mean, looking at sort of from a, from, from a, from a U.S. perspective, and of course, we're a little bit further behind here in, in, in Europe, but would you say that the, the rules, uh, uh, labor force uh, um, regulation uh, is ready for this? Are we tuned in or is there a lot of uh, adaption and, uh, and evolution that needs to take place as well, Larry? Uh, I would, so technology is moving and it's even accelerated. It's moving at the fastest pace it's ever moved at. And as you know, the government uh, tends to move slower. And um, it, so it, it's absolutely moving slower. And you're seeing like the lawsuits in California around uh, Uber drivers and gig workers. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, so you're going to see this. It's, it's still early days. You're going to see a lot of... Um, uh, what's the right word? Um, it, it's going to be messy um, for a while as everybody figures it out. But the benefits uh, that come with it and how we, why we are doing it are all there. So we'll figure it out. It's going to get figured out, uh, but it'll be messy as we, as we figure out how to do it. Mm. And do you think from the, from the regulators, the decision makers perspective, they're sufficiently tuned in? Are they collaborating? Are they uh, 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 reaching out to co-create this future? Or are they kind of going away to the darkened rooms and trying to figure this out by themselves? I, I think it depends on where you're at. <clears throat> um, yeah. So I'm in Columbus, Ohio, which has an amazing... Um, uh, the, the government works hand in hand with business and university mm -hmm. um, because they realize the benefit of, of doing that. And so it's a great environment. The people, they're asking great questions and say, you know, how do we attract more remote workers uh, to cities? So there's, it, it's really fascinating. Uh, if you look at commercial real estate, because what the mass, the most companies are doing is they're planning on reducing their real estate footprint by at least 50%. Right. And so the only reason there hasn't been a big um, decimation of the commercial real estate business is because people tend to sign seven or eight year uh, contracts, yeah. Yeah. but it has huge implications for cities and cities are trying to figure this out right now. Um, because if I can live anywhere, what we're seeing is like, if you're, if you have middle age and you have a family, you're going to want to move maybe more to the suburbs for a different, you know, kind of lifestyle, mm. but young people, um, what we're seeing is they, are missing out when they're joining out of college as an example, they're missing that social connection. Yeah, and so they're yeah. going to move into cities 
to want to be close to other gig workers. Hmm. And there's talk of even the city um, replacing some of the office functions to make up for um, all of those things that you're missing by working as a remote worker. So um, I don't think there, I, I do think you'll remake cities. Um, I think it's going to, yeah. the office footprint's going to be uh, smaller. You're not going to have all those people commuting in now. Mm. Um, but I think it, it, this is just speaking to the U.S., but I think it's going to lead to a, a big change, but a more vibrant. It'll, it'll be better afterwards. Yeah. And that's it. And it's creating and maintaining those human contacts. If it's not going to an office to do your nine till six, it's another way to sort of co-create, to be able to share ideas with like-minded individuals, gig workers, entrepreneurs, and uh, hopefully this cross-fertilization of good ideas. And, and cities will still have a role in doing that. Absolutely. Couldn't okay. agree more. Uh, so the, you know, being remote for 20 years, that's one of the things we learned is even if you're remote, people still, you need, you crave human connection. Yeah. And so you have to build those into whatever your design is for remote um, yeah. because getting together in person reinforces those um, relationships that you've made virtually mm -hmm. um, and it energizes people. And it also helps in some, you know, some cases around innovation. I do think you can innovate with a, a virtual workforce, but there are certain cases where it does, what does help to be in person. So we, we, are an advocate and we recommend any remote workforce has what I call the kind of their gathering strategy of when are you getting together face-to-face? -to -face. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that's, that's great to realize that cities are not dying out. Human contact is not going to die out because of technology. This is, you know, the, the opposite, if not, uh, is that is basically the trend that we're seeing here, Larry. Absolutely. Correct. Okay, that, 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 that's very interesting. And, you know, moving on with your sort of angel investor hat on now, what are the, uh, what are the areas that are really hot right now in terms of uh, investment linked to this kind of, you know, is it a revolution or is it evolution? I'm not too sure. It could be, uh, you could argue for both. Um, but given that, what are the kind of the, uh, the, the developments that we're seeing and the, and, and the, the, the areas that are, that are hot at the moment that we are looking at from an investment and a lot of uh, push behind? So I'll take it into a couple of different categories. What, what I would say, so there has never been more creation of, that I've ever seen and the money that is available, I've never seen this much as well. So okay. um, you're seeing this massive startup um, ecosystem that's going on. And it's moved away from Silicon Valley as well because of remote. Um, and so you're seeing, they realized it used to be you had to move to Silicon Valley um, mm. if you wanted to be a, you know, a unicorn. It's not true anymore. Um, and so it's, it's moving at least, you know, I, I look at the U.S., it's moving across the U.S., but let's take some of the categories that are specific to work from anywhere in the gig workforce. Um, there is this a huge uh, proliferation around tools trying to solve all the problems with work from anywhere. Mm. Um, and so there it's, I can't keep up with all the tools that people are putting out and there are some very bad ones and there are some, uh, there's some good ones. And so you're going to see this messy time period where you're going to see a lot of those coming um, as people trying to figure out the, you know, what is the best way to do it. The other one that I would talk about is this proliferation of gig platforms. And so there was kind of the first generation of, let's say Fiverr or Upwork or those types yeah. of platforms. Uh, now everybody, it seems like is in the gig platform business. And so, you know, eventually I think you will see if it, if you look at other 
platform outside of, you know, models outside of that and industries outside of that, there's usually a consolidation at some point. We are not in that phase. We are in the um, divergence where there are many, many different platforms as people try to figure this out. Uh, The other category is, so if I'm a freelancer, how do I operate my business? There's a whole category of startups that are around um, that space as well. Uh, And then uh, there's what's happened because everybody's working remote uh, everybody's using tools and that tool spits off tons of what I call digital exhaust. And that, that ability, all of a sudden you have an X-ray of how your organization operates. And it is, people are just now scratching the surface and there is a massive amount of startups, um, as people try to figure out how to leverage that data to, you know, you know, just to give you an example, uh, there are some AI startups that can actually look at all of the messaging that's going on in the organization. And they can figure out if um, somebody's being included or not. They can see passive aggressive Mm -hmm. behavior. Um, uh, So there's huge, obviously ethical implications of Mm -hmm. that. Um, But what it it will make us better because what in organizations that are starting to leverage this data, it it is naturally causing um, them to flatten the, the organization structure because people have access to all this information. Yeah. Uh, and so you're, you're going to see organizations change as a result of being able to operate better by having this data. That's great. And it's, well, it's interesting where things are going as well. That we're already taking several steps ahead. And, you know, you were talking a little bit uh, uh, before about the, uh, the revolu- revolution that's taking place and the genie that is out of the bottle and it's not going back anytime soon. But what's the uh, barriers that we're seeing to this uh, uh, taking place. Uh, is it something that can be stopped or, you know, will these barriers just fall by the wayside given the, the inertia and the exponential growth that's taking place? So I think what'll happen is you'll overcome the barriers. You'll figure out how to uh, work with them. And I'll just give you a a few examples. So, uh, one of them is, I would kind of say there's going to be a second wave of gig platforms. And right. if you talk to gig workers, there's dissatisfaction with today's platforms. Um, so some of them, if you talk to gig workers, they're like, I want to get off of there as soon as I can. So I develop a client relationship and then I'm going to work more cohesively. Now there's certainly different personas of yep. gig workers. There's ones that we call mercenary, which is they command a high rate and they just, you know, they go quickly from, uh, and then there's others that want a more connection and a deeper relationship with the company they're doing work for. Yeah. Um, and so uh, you're, um, you're, you're going to see that problem solved for uh, is what I would say. Uh, the other one is companies have to learn to work with freelancers um, and you have to incorporate them into your business. And it's, mm. it's a completely change uh, for organizations, for how they've had to operate um, in the past, and and they're going to have to solve for that. Um, there's other things that uh, what's very interesting is what gig platforms are now are very transactional um, by by the job, um, and solving for project based, being able to put together not just one person, one gig employee, but uh, having people solve for an entire project with multiple gig employees. That's still trying to be figured out as an example. Mm-hmm. So it's early days. Um, there's a lot going on, uh, but I, I'm very, you know, there's there's too much benefit for it. So these problems will be solved. 
And this seems to be something that is, you know, the, the inertia is there already. Um, and it's basically up to organizations, whether it's public or private sector, to be able to adapt and actually get a model whereby they, they've got a, a, a gig or a freelancer strategy, because more and more of their workforce will be demanding to work in this kind of way, Larry. There's no question, uh, you know, so as a consulting organization, we're a people asset business. And so we have to stay, uh, you know, one step ahead. And, right. and, you know, I'll give you an example. We have some employees that have been long-term employees and are like, I like working for six months, but then I want to get in my RV and I want to not work for three months. Yeah. Can you design an, a compensation package for me um, that will let me do that? And so we're trying to update um you know, how we work with gig workers to make it attractive and sticky uh, uh, for them. So they've got the sort of framework that they're looking for and give them the benefits because at the end of the day, I suppose that the market is always going to follow the talent. And if the talent wants more flexibility, wants to have a, a slightly more sort of tailored approach to themselves as individual centric, then the, uh, the, the market and the processes have to change to meet those needs. That's exactly right. And that's what we're seeing. So the whole idea of, you know, you work uh, nine to six in for an organization in the same four walls for 20, 30 years and you get a gold watch. This is completely out of the window. That is, I couldn't agree more. Um, but what I will say is we are trying, you know, us as an organization is trying to figure out what we call stickiness because mm -hmm. there is huge benefit to, having gig workers, you lose something when they leave, um, some of that knowledge capital. So we want to retain some of that. Um, mm. And maybe they work with us, you know, let's say they work with us on a project and a year later they come back and they work on another one. We're trying to solve for that right now ourselves. Okay, so you have like a, a portfolio, a roster of uh, uh, talent that you can draw upon when you need it for the specific uh, jobs and roles. So you can draw on the, the, the knowledge and expertise. That's exactly right. Well, this should be better for the for the for the market as well. That organisations don't just sort of keep someone within their little little cage in their glass jar, and they're working for one organisation. The, the 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 skills and knowledge can actually be shared, and you can actually access uh, this talent in a different way. And also, individuals should be able to have the diff the, the new stimulus uh, of being able to work for different organizations, maybe shorter periods, learn new skills, and actually bring that back to their own uh, 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 bench of capabilities. Yes. And you, you started to hit on where I was going to go, which is this whole idea of the, the skill set of individuals in a company. It's moving mm. so fast and changing so fast that you can't, an organization can't train their workforce fast enough to keep up with that, the individual skills. And so you're going to have to use outside workers that are constantly updating their skill sets. There's something called a half-life of a skill, right. um, which is basically how long is that skill valid in the technology marketplace? And that has continued um, to shrink and it continues to get smaller. So it leads you to having to use more outside resources and figure out how to do that because you can't train your organization fast enough to adapt. Right. So it's actually looking outside. And, you know, the, 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 the things for individuals who are either wanting to go 100% into the freelance lifestyle or else will be forced to uh, take this as a, as, as a side gig, what are the things that uh, individuals should be doing to make themselves relevant and future-proof themselves, I guess, Larry, within this? 
So the, uh, the, <laughs> the biggest thing is what we were talking about before is this idea of constant um, learning. Yeah. And you have to, it's not, you, you don't leave university or college anymore <laughs> um, and then you're done. Um, it is constantly training and up, updating your, your skill set. And um, you're, you're going to have to be great at that as an individual to, to main, maintain relevancy. Yeah. Um, the other, so the other, it's changing a little bit with the platforms. Um, but what I would say, the, the, what people, if you're in the, that gig um, workforce, um, having a really strong network is mm-hmm. really important as well. So you can leverage a platform, but you're probably also going to want to have a professional network that, that you build equally to those skill sets. Hmm. So that that's the way to be able to make sure that you're relevant, but also that you have the value and you can deliver impact to the marketplace and potential uh, uh, potential employers. So you need to think of that. And it's your on your own head to be able to uh, maintain the skills and have the value and the impact that are required for the for, for the market of today and tomorrow. That's exactly right. Excellent. Well, this is real food for thought and great inputs here, Larry, and we'll be really looking forward to catching up with you later on because this is fantastic. I appreciate your time and look forward to having you on again soon. I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me.